0: All right, you guys ready for episode three?
1: Yes, I am. You, you guys,
0: Instagram, you ready for episode three? Starting now. What's going on, Pack. Steve Del Savio from Pack Leader Dogs here. Episode three of the Pack Leader Show. I just came back from an awesome Sunday Pack Leader Walk in Hoboken. So the, the, the Pack Walk on Sundays is something that I created years ago as a way for my clients to continue to work with dogs after I did training, board and train, um, just to continue working with their dog honestly it was something that i was like how can i give people something else to do or create a community of people that could be together to work on the issues that they were having with the dog post training post board and train post whatever we did so it's been an amazing thing it started out i was actually looking on it what was i looking on instagram right before where it was something where cassie my fiance. Brought her dog, and I was like, we had a big pack walk of ten people who came, and today we had like fifty or sixty people probably come, right? And dogs, so it's been an amazing thing. People come, and we, um, whether whether it's someone who's just started training with us or, or just started learning dog psychology, and they're trying to learn um, how to how to really practice with their dog and get into real world scenarios. We have people who are just starting, all the way for people who have completed board and training years ago, who are just maintaining a balanced dog. So. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's honestly like, so so something I talk about a lot is is how I basically work seven days a week. You'll hear the, the typical like entrepreneurial thing that I quit the 40 hour work week just so I could work 80 hours a week. That's pretty much what we do here. I probably work way more than 80 hours, I would say, right? Yeah. How many hours do you think we do here a week?
1: I can't do the math. Over a hundred,
0: right? <laughs> Whatever, yeah. but it's not really work to me. It's something I enjoy so much, um, but I definitely experience burnout and tired and wanting to like take a break just like everybody else does. And today was definitely one of those days I woke up and I was like, damn, I'm pretty tired. But then I realized quickly that we were doing the pack walk and I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. Like we have the pack walk and Cassie even said to me and goes, why are you in such a good mood today? And I'm like, because we're doing the pack walk. I get to see my people. I get to see my pack. So that's what I love it's it's an amazing experience to see how many people come together they're positive they're working together nobody's judgmental nobody's saying oh I can't believe your dog's reacting so many of these meetups by the way are like you can only have a Frenchie who comes to the meetup or you only have a specific breed or if your dog has issues you're not allowed to come so I'm like well where the hell do these people go to, to work with the dog I mean this is where what, what the community is supposed to be about we're supposed to be able to bring people in who have issues so they have a place to work with their dog so it started as a, a small little thing it's gotten bigger and bigger I think it's going to get to a point where we're going to have to like get a permit or some shit to do this walk because it's like, you know, getting to a lot of people and a lot of people are watching and seeing it. So it's really so, so fulfilling for me to see like 60 dogs walking together who, if I put a video of each of those dogs before the pack walk, people would be like, how the hell is that happening? And it's really just education and practicing. People are committed. They're working hard and getting there. So the pack walk, and this is why I always talk about energy. is is like being tired today after a long week. I have Adam here from LA, who's been doing a lot of this stuff here. He is helping us with content and producing and all this stuff. So it's been pretty draining on top of running this this business with all the boarding trains and the dogs and everything else that goes on. Um, it's been tiring, but today when I found out it was the pack walk, it was just a like a like like such a, an exciting thing that was happening. And when I get there, the, the energy and the positivity is so much that it really fuels me where to the point where I came back and we were like, I was like, let's film episode three of the podcast where I woke up today. Like I'm not doing shit today. I'm going to relax all day. Thinking that in the beginning, but then it became like pack walk. And then what else should we do? Because the energy I just feel there is amazing. So thank you to all the pack who came today. It was amazing. Amazing walk. We'll post a video of that. Adam got some sick drone footage and Hoboken, New York city background and all that stuff. So let's get to some questions. I think, right. Mm -hmm. Are we going to do Instagram first or no? We're going to do this first, right?
1: Yeah, and I have some We Instagram
0: have Instagram questions. Live going here, podcasts. So we're going to grab an Instagram Live question, too. Um, but for now, let's do one of these questions that we have. What do you yeah. got for me? This let's one's hear from
1: them. Instagram. It's by Melinda Luz. Uh, her question is Any tips for separation anxiety? Leaving her with a shirt of mine and a whole bunch of stuffed Kong toys and sedatives are not working.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's it. Mm hmm separation anxiety right that's a good one a lot of people experience this stuff and they they people always ask me questions of how can i deal with separation anxiety and they think they have to work on the actual issue of the dog just leaving i mean uh, the human leaving and the dog staying behind there's definitely a way to do that and we'll discuss that in a second but it's more of a relationship issue in my opinion um it becomes an issue where i always ask questions of how much time does that dog spend in the human's intimate space? Because if they're clingy in the house, then how are they going to be able to leave completely and do a complete detachment of actually leaving the house if they can't even walk away from the person in the house, right? So that's definitely one that I always look into. I always ask how much exercise is the dog getting? Um, I mean, it's, it's really a relationship thing. And when leader, leader in a pack of dogs can come and go. Right. And so if, if the dog feels that it's leading and the humans who's in a follower state is leading, that doesn't make sense. The dog says, I have to go find that human. But the dog who's leading is usually in an insecure, or nervous state of seeing a dog leave. So I always want to assess the big picture of what's going on in that house and the relationship. How are the walks going? Uh, how much exercise the dog get? Is the dog able to stay at a distance? So I would definitely recommend is giving less affection, making sure you're only petting calmness or giving feeding calmness. Um, practice having your dog stay in a bed or stay at a distance from you and stay there while you do other things. Because, um, because like I said, if a dog, uh, you know, in a dog world, the pack is supposed to be together 24/7. That's the way their their mindset is set, but. We're humans, we brought them into our world. So it's our responsibility to show them that there's going to be an attachment that's not that natural to them, but we have to show them how to be able to do that. So another thing that I see a lot of people doing is they the dog is following them, following them, following them as they're getting ready to leave, follows them all the way to the door and then the human turns around and says, bye, see you later, and then they close the door. So that whole ritual is a human ritual of saying goodbye and stuff like that. And they're also... Letting the dog stay in the follower state the entire time that you're about to leave, almost tricking the dog who's saying, "I might be coming with you. I might be coming with you. I might be coming with you." And then bye, which just creates excitement, and they close the door. So they almost trick the dog that there's gumming. The dog's like, "Wait, I'm not coming." And then they leave him in excitement. So. The better way for me would either to do to do crate training, have your dog learn how to stay in a crate calmly. Make sure you practice that before you actually practice the separation of leaving the house and stuff like that. So the dog has to be able to be on a bed or in their in their kennel, relax with you home before you even think about leaving. Then you're gonna um, so that's one step to do it. Then you really want to practice the. The, in the home of giving way less affection keeping a distance and just repeat it over and over again and then practice leaving for a short amount of time if you can leave a camera and see what the dog is doing and they're going crazy come back but i would come back to address and make sure you address in a calm and confident way and then leave again and then wait till a point where you can get to where the dog finally settles if they're if they're whining or crying in the beginning let them go through it they have to vent a little bit of the anxiety let it let it calm down. Then come back in when they're calm. So they start realizing that the human's gonna come back when the dog is calm. Where when the dog's calm, that makes sense. Okay, that's one down.
1: <laughs> All right. What else?
0: Let's go. We're we doing an Instagram or we're we doing this one.
1: Instagram, and I have another Instagram. Okay. Meet Miss Jones NY writes, hi Steve, I'm the, editor for, I'm the editor for NJ Teachers Magazine, and we write a lot about the value of students making mistakes during the learning process. Nice. Can you discuss how to address inevitable mistakes and personal frustrations in a healthy and positive way when rehabilita- rehabilitating a dog?
0: Thanks. Oh my God, I love this one. So this is like one of my favorite things of all time of like, <clears throat> something that changed for me was back in the day, I used to think mistakes were weakness, and I was like not Like, like I became like a a very soft, weak person if I made a mistake. And I feel a lot of people in life are experiencing this stuff. So to me now, I love mistakes. I can't wait to make a mistake because I know that by learning from that mistake and saying, hey, where the hell did I go wrong on this? Or what was the thing that I did that I'm just gaining knowledge? I'm growing. I'm going to a higher place. So every time a mistake happens, it's fantastic. It's easy to just go through life and and live in a comfort zone and, and kind of just Get by, but the reality is, is, is by learning mistakes. That's how you actually grow, and that's like a big lesson for me that I that I really like put into effect like five six years ago, and that's been a big part of my growth over the last five or six years. Is realizing that that mistakes are actually a, a fantastic thing to happen, and not realizing that you're weak or you're bad or you've screwed up or you're less than because you made a mistake. It's a, a, a they become opportunity for me when a mistake happens. So when I have a dog and I make a mistake with a dog. Which I just said, I, was, I put too much pressure on a dog or I didn't see a reaction coming. It's a—it's just another piece where I, I, I adjust. I make sure I finish that whole repetition properly. And I take a mental note for next time. It's just another, another thing that I learned. I mean, it's just le- really about learning and growing. If you're in a constant state of growth, I mean, that's that's one of the six human needs that we'll end up talking about all that stuff that I learned from doing stuff with Tony Robbins. but growth to me is something that went right to the top of one of my needs of just always being able to grow and that's mistakes lead to growth and going through scenarios that make you nervous and fearful and all that stuff that's how you grow we talk about that. i talk with this cassie jam everybody about this stuff all the time that if we make a mistake as a business or a company that's all. we can't panic and say oh no let's close, let's close the doors and cancel the whole freaking business it's a way to learn for the next time when that thing happens now we know what to do in that moving forward So mistakes are fantastic. You should uh, embrace them, love them, learn from them and move forward. That's what dogs teach us, live in the moment. So make your mistake in that moment, learn from it and that's it, move forward. Boom, what else? Do we have an Instagram on from here? No, nobody has questions, nobody likes me? Fine, screw you guys.
1: (laughs) I have another (laughs) one for you. Yeah. Um, PKM2626 writes, I adopted a two-year-old American Bulldog. At the adoption event, she was super calm and letting everyone pet her. I've had her for about a month. When Mm. I take her for walks, she will bark and lunge if people get too close. She is also very uneasy when people come over. When someone is over, I have them ignore her, which seems to work.
0: Mm. First of all, I love American Bulldogs. Maddie, as you guys sure know, is is my American Bulldog. It's an amazing breed. Definitely a power breed and a and a persistent breed that needs a strong leader. But they're a fantastic breed. She's like the the personality of this house that gets everybody laughing every time she's around. Um so what I would tell you is it sounds like she said that the dog was 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 very calm at the at the, the event.
1: She was super calm and letting everyone pet
0: her. What I would tell you is she she might not have been probably she I would think if she's behaving this way already that she probably wasn't as calm as you think she was at the event. She might have been a little bit nervous but just been more in like where the hell am I and staying there so more of quiet than calm. It's a big mistake that I see a lot of people make with their dog and say, "Yeah, she's so calm," but the dog is reality quiet because they're insecure or nervous about a scenario. Um, So she might have been tolerant of people touching and doing all that stuff, right? So there's obviously some nervousness there. And then coming home with you, she starts getting comfortable. And this is a very common one that when the dog comes home, the people feel... It's super common in rescue world when someone rescues a dog or even brings a puppy home. But more so in rescue world or shelter world. When they bring a dog home, they say, here's, they feel so sorry that the dog was in a bad situation. So the first thing they want to do is bring the dog in and say, look at your new home and look at everything. This is all yours. And they feel, they're in a state of feeling sorry, which to a dog is in a state of a little bit of weakness. So they come in and the dogs, there's two conversations happening. The humans are saying, here, I want you to love us. Please stay, be, enjoy, come on the couch, come in bed, do all this kind of thing. But the dog is coming in and smelling around using nose and saying, who's in charge here, right? So if the human doesn't take that position right away and say, here's our home, this is where you'll be living, this is where your bed is, this is your kennel, this is where you eat, this is our backyard, this is how you behave in all these scenarios, then the dog is going to, if they don't do that, then the dog says, nobody's in charge, so I'm going to take control. So then it sounds like you have a nervous dog who became dominant and took over the house and is leading now, right? Right. And by the way, we'll get into words and everything. The wording, words are such a big thing in the dog world that people put so much emphasis on, where Caesar back in the day used the word dominant and people freaked the hell out about it because... In, it, with PC kind of America, dominant sounds like oh, I don't like that word dominant. It sounds like it's a it's a it's a dominating thing. But if someone talks about like that the the well, I can't say the Devils now because they just lost in the playoffs. But if let's just say during the year when the Devils dominated another team, or if the Yankees dominated a team, that just means that they they effectively won the game and did a good job of leading. Right? They they took control of a situation. So. It's just words and stuff like that. But you have a dog who's in a leading position who's coming from a nervous state. So in reality, she probably has some nervousness or he has some nervousness about people and things like that. So him being in a leader state, he's saying, I'm nervous. And then now because that situation's happened where he or she has lunged at a person or barked at a person, you're probably anticipating that the dog is going to do that. So think about it from the dog's mind. The dog's in leader position, human in follower position, person approaches. The human right away says, "Uh uh-oh, my American Bulldog is going to react because a person's come and she's done this before. And then the dog is saying, I'm nervous about the person. I can definitely feel that my human is nervous about the situation, so I better do my job and tell this person to stay away. So I loved at the end where she said, I've been telling people to ignore and it's been working way better. So that's something that you should definitely practice is having people ignore her. Practice uh, the leadership stuff, making sure the dog's waiting at the door before you leave, effectively practicing calmness with the dog, waiting for food, waiting to go out the door, um, and ask people to just ignore, so the dog can go into nose first. A lot of people wanna come in and talk and say, hey, puppy, to a dog right away, but to a nervous girl or guy, like this American Bulldog sounds like it is, that becomes super overwhelming. So humans take away the, uh, the ability for a dog to be a dog and use nose first. So if we're talking to a dog and moving forward, that's all eyes and ears. But I'd rather the dog go into a nose state and say, who are you? You ignore the dog and not, she says, all right, so it seems like this person's okay. And be in a calm state around the dog. And then if they, that dog starts becoming comfortable around that person, then you can have the dog come closer. Have that person then, I would prefer if the dog's food might have been anyway, that's a time for food. If the dog is calm though, not when it's nervous. So if the dog calm and is more calm about the person, they give a treat and then have the human move away. If you think about it, right? Because normally what happens is someone tries to give food to a nervous dog in the nervous state of mind. So they say, Here, puppy, take the food, right? And the dog's like, Fuck, I don't want this food. <clears throat> and then maybe they'll take the food, but they're taking the food in this state. And the human's coming towards them, and then they still get uncomfortable. And usually humans then try to reach, and the dog will bite. So instead I would rather the dog come to the person, smell, be curious, give a piece of food, and then the first dog says, oh, and you mean food? And then you walk away, so then the dog is saying, I actually want more about that person. I want to see that person more. We've done this with a lot of dogs and it's been super, super effective. So it's definitely something you can try, but I hope that helped too. Do you have any Instagrams? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. Oh, Now you want to talk to me Instagram? Fine, <laughs> we'll talk.
1: Kyle underscore Dominic asks, what are the best ways to build trust with your dog and the best ways to build respect?
0: What are the, say, say it one more time.
1: What are the best ways to build trust with your dog mm-hmm. and the best ways to build respect?
0: Mm, trust and respect he wants. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that's a really important one. So I always say with a dog that people should have trust and respect. So most people go in and they get trust, but all, trust to me is also a two-sided thing because it's trust that you're not going to hurt me, which is the dog, right? I'm acting as a dog. now. the dog's not going to hurt you. I mean, uh, the human's not going to hurt me, but then it's also trust that I can control uh, the human has control of all situations and keep me protected. So that's one where I see a lot of, a lot of humans that I work with, the dog trusts them that they're not going to hurt them, but the dog doesn't trust that they have control of all situations so the dog feels they have to lead the other one is the respect factor which is where a lot of people are lacking and it's because they're looking at dogs from a human psychological perspective instead of a dog psychology perspective right so respect is just is giving space not to a dog when when a dog comes and sits on our lap and lays with us and does all those things Humans say, "Oh, this is a dog who loves me. It's so cute. She's she's just so affectionate." In reality, in the dog's mind, you just gave up your space without claiming any space, so you're not someone who's an authoritative figure, so you don't have the respect. Totally, you can do this. My point is, is, you can do the same exact situation, depending on the case, of course. But if you have a dog who doesn't really have much issues, you can totally invite your dog on the couch into bed. Um, to sit on your lap and not on, on the lap thing i don 't re- recommend so much, but if it 's something that you crave and it 's a big thing for you, do it in small doses. but make sure you invite the dog is calm and then you invite the dog into your space so i 'm kind of already getting into the respect part of without a doubt claiming your space. If your dog jumps on you when you walk in the house, the dog doesn't respect you. That's just a situation they don't respect. It's excitement and they say yours. I see, I mean, I see the amount of shit that I see. Like I see ones where people are standing there and the dog is walking around the house and walks right up to the human and puts his paws up on their waist and stretches right out on the the person. And they think it's cute and it's funny. But to me, I'm like, look at where this, this dog went all around the house and just, it came right to you and stretched right on top of you. So there, there's a reason for it. It's claiming, it's making sure, yeah, just a reminder, you're mine. So I'll just stretch on you and then I'll go do something else. So just that it, space to me is by far the biggest thing that you can do is for respect is creating distance. A dog comes into your space, you send them out uninvited. Um, and trust is just, is honestly a time thing. I mean, it's really just, being able to, obviously, by not hurting your dog or, or being loud and tense and frustrated, that's how your dog will never trust. But if you're in a calm state and with confidence or you're calm and certain about what you want, the dog's always going to believe you and trust you, right? But then it's just a matter of time. So that's one side of it. The other side is being able to control situations. So understanding dog psychology, ed- educating yourself on what to do in all those scenarios is what's going to really help you um, to gain respect. But that was Kyle who? Kyle Dominic? Is that Kyle? Kyle
1: underscore dominant.
0: Oh, yeah. That's Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, what's up, dude? I know who Kyle is. Oh, Kyle, you're here. What's up, dude? He has a second question. Oh. If you want his. Now he's getting a little arrogant, but it's okay. Uh, Go ahead. What is your
1: favorite behavioral issue to rehabilitate?
0: My favorite to rehabilitate? I mean, I love... So it's changed, to be honest. So in the beginning of my career, it was definitely aggression. Human aggression, dog aggression, and like like very confident forward dogs. Like that was my bread and butter because... I was always, uh, I am naturally a more front person, a more high energy person. So those kind of dogs who are like ready to kill. I mean, I've worked with dogs who've killed other dogs, who have really attacked and bitten people pretty badly and stuff like that. So, the the puzzle of that dog is something that I love more than anything. But. By getting really good at that, I started to do way too much of that. Not way too much, but I was not focusing on being a fully balanced trainer or dog psychology, special, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call me. People are so crazy with these titles and stuff like that. I work with dogs. Whatever you want to call me, call me whatever. But the Caesar and Colleen out in LA, a good friend of mine, actually said to me that it was the insecure dogs that I struggled with and very sensitive dogs. Not that I struggled, but I wasn't as good at. So I really learned that from my own American Bulldog, Maddie, who's a big, strong girl, so I treated her as such. I treated her as the breed, which was making me not follow the formula, which I always follow with dogs, which is the order of animal, dog, breed, then name. Most people focus on breed and name in the dog. They say, oh, is that an American Bulldog? What's her name, Maddie? Oh, and they just do whatever. They don't focus on the animal, which is energy. So the energy is the state of mind, right? Is the dog nervous, tense? uh, uh, dominant what, what, what state is that dog in And then I use dog psychology To work with that particular uh, Type of energy But then I, You know It was one where where Colleen had said to me Who's a, who's a good friend of mine She said I want you for the next, m- next month To just work with Nervous and insecure dogs So I actually did that And I got really good With working with them So now I actually enjoy I used to get so frustrated And annoyed with these dogs Coming in Where I'm like here we go With this nervous dog Like such a freaking little sissy Come on Like get, let's go Get in the pack What are you waiting for But I wasn't I wasn't really dealing with the situation in a proper way for that dog. So I know those dogs, they take patience, they take time, they take uh, really breathing and and getting to a level of calmness and bringing my energy down to almost like as low as I can possibly get it. And even, even now, some of the dogs who come in, just my natural state, being a more front person, the, the really, really, really weak dogs are even hard for me to even be, just be around, just be in their presence. Not hard for me, but hard for the dog because they can feel my energy as the leader. So if you think about it, a normal pack of dogs, the front dog and the weakest dog in the pack really don't have that much interaction together. The middle pack dogs are the ones that bring them all together. So that's why I use my my staff. I use Cassie. I use everybody here to work with those dogs and kind of bring them together. Or I use my middle of the pack dogs, my happy-go-luckies, where I'll pet them and work with them a little a little bit. Sorry about that. Work with my, those dogs. Then that brings that dog in towards me and then maybe I'll give a little pet and then I work on that kind of stuff. So now the insecure nervous dogs have been the ones that I love working with because I see how much pain those dogs are really in and struggling in life that it's like seeing them come around going from like hiding in a corner or wanting to attack everyone that comes even within any, any, any distance of them to Look, like we have Cooper here, we have Malcolm here, we have a bunch of dogs, actually a few dogs here who are, who are just like that, who came in, one trying to bite me and attack me, the other one who was like, get away from me, I'm going to hide in the corner and I hope I just disappear. So now they're on going on the, they came on the pack walk today, they're happy to see people, they just love life. So that's become one that I've- I love doing more than anything. Feels good. Yeah. It's amazing oh. how much energy I have right now. I woke up literally, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a tough day. I'm so tired. And now I'm like, what are we doing next? I can do this podcast for three hours now, but I won't ruin your day, Sunday. I have one more question. Last one? Okay. They get a good one.
1: <laughs> flowchick 66 asks, what are some tips on getting a new larger pup to live harmoniously with its older 11 month old mm. three pound pup?
0: How old is the young dog?
1: I'm not sure how old the young dog is, but it's younger than the 11th month old dog. Mm. So three pounds is the older one.
0: You're saying, all right, Instagram. Good seeing you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have this podcast available next Sunday, right? The full podcast, yeah. Thank you guys. You got to see pretty much a good portion of it. All right. Um, Yeah, so older dogs and younger dogs. is another common one. Older dogs are usually not very into puppies and young dogs, right? It just becomes you have two different... um, Two different, obviously, ages, but two different stages of life where the senior dogs are lower energy, they want to more relax and just chill out. You bring in an uh, an excited dog and it becomes like, ah, this energy is overbearing. I mean, for me, I know like being around like a a young kid who's like super high energy, screaming and yelling and going over the place, that can get overwhelming too. Or, Or a dog who's like one of these super high working breed dogs that I work with that constantly is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It gets overwhelming. So, what I would recommend is to definitely teach the new dog how to behave around the old dog. Cause the old dog's definitely gonna want to correct the young one and say, Hey, give me space. And they just do it from a very primal state. They just, when a dog comes in with excitement, but then you can also have a dog who's old, who's, who's not as secure and they're not willing or they're, they're nervous about actually correcting the other dog. So it's really our job to to integrate those two dogs together. Definitely teaching the puppy and the young dog how to behave around a senior dog, how to behave around an adolescent, how to behave around a regular adult, how to behave around a puppy. So that's something that I want to actually create is a puppy class that that teaches dogs how to be with all different sizes, different ages, different um, energies. Energy is the most important thing, obviously, but teaching them how to be around other different energies. So definitely I would focus on um, fulfilling that dog and treating that dog just like it would be any other dog, but also claiming that the, claiming your other dog as yours. And so that dog realizes it can't just go jump on that dog whenever it pleases or bark at that dog whenever it pleases or attack that dog or whatever it is, that that's part of your pack. And this is how you behave with this member of the pack. And that can be whether you have one dog or 10 dogs. I mean, there's, Whatever amount of dogs we have, I'm, I'm advocating for every single member of, my, of every single member of the pack equally. So just because Maddie's one of mine doesn't mean she gets special treatment around the pack of dogs. She's got to behave a certain way. If she's misbehaving, she gets addressed just like a dog who just showed up for his first day of boarding. Because if I do that and I give her preference, then she starts taking advantage, and then the other dogs see it as why is that happening, and it just creates an unstable pack. So it's it's really important for the leader to address everybody together and equally. Right, this is good stuff. How do you like it? Mhm. Good. Yep. All right. Are we closing this thing up? How yep. is it? So this is Cassie's first time doing questions. Yeah. I'm proud that you can read.
1: Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled no, on just, one.
0: Yeah, this is like one. This, this I, mean, I, get, I get on such a high after the pack. Like not that kind of high, people. So take it easy. But I get on such a <laughs> I get on such a high after after doing these walks and stuff like that that I just the the feeling of the energy of positive positivity and people supporting each other and and being together and to know that we created that and it's just building and building i want this thing to spread like wildfire that's why we bring the instagram on we have all these people i mean getting it being able to connect with people and this is like a big portion of the show is i want to be able to spread this information and and like i love the whole thing a, a big a, a guy who i follow gary vaynerchuk he talks about making positivity louder i'm such a freaking believer in that like people there's so much hate negativity and bullshit in this world right now that like they're the loudest people. They're the ones who are making the most noise. It's the headlines in the media. It's the people you'll see cutting you off and cursing you off and all that shit. But the people who are calm and confident and are living life happy and fulfilled are the ones who are just going about their business and not making much noise about it. So I'm going to be the one, I mean, along with him and and the rest of our team of of setting the example, we're going to make positivity loud as hell again. So I hope you guys join me on that journey. I want to thank you guys for joining us for Pack Leader Show, Episode 3. Thank you for Adam for helping us set up this whole deal. It's been amazing. Thank you for Jamie for getting me here to be here because Jamie helps me like go here and there and all over the place. Thank you, Cassie, for your first questions and supporting me, which is really difficult to do at times, I'm sure. (laughs) But thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you again, and we'll see you for episode four in two weeks. All right, guys, be good.